This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 323, and today we are talking about books being released on August 10th, 2021, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Vanessa Diaz, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Vanessa, hello! Hey, Lib, how are you? I'm good. You're, like, recording this in a little confessional. I am. I'm in a confessional that's uh, got this very beautiful <laughs> kind of fern print going on it's very very fancy <laughs> i like it <laughs> so it's in like the communal workspace that book ride has is that what it is oh yeah i should probably clarify it's not an actual confessional yes <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's a little soundproof like booth for taking calls inside the yeah the co-work space where i'm at so it's very very fancy looking there's a barista on tap here all the time it's it's very it's it's fun <laughs> and now i'm in this special little booth and probably talking louder than i need to to compensate <laughs> that's cool I was on vacation this week. It has been a mixed bag, my vacation. So we are going to record the show, which is going to be fun. And then I am hopefully going to read more books after we are done, which will be fun. Hoping to end my vacation on lots of high notes and read lots of books. But I was just explaining to Vanessa that now that I sleep more, I don't read as much. (laughs) And it makes me really mad. (laughs) And I'm like, I know that sleep is good for you, but I'm not reading as many books because I'm sleeping those, you know, four or five or six more hours a night oh, that no. people normally do. So <laughs> I was telling her her body thanks her and she's like, no. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it does. But my brain is like, what are you doing? Get up. I heart you so much. I'm glad you're <laughs> sleeping for one personally, but you know. Thank you. <laughs> I know that's a personal choice. But it makes me cranky. <laughs> the, the utter and reverse effect of most of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never liked sleep, which is wrong. I know it's wrong. Should never have been encouraged. (laughs) And here we are. And here we are. I read lots of books. Yay! You do. Today's going to be a pretty relaxed show because I read several of today's books and did not like a lot of them, so I only have a few to talk about today, but we're going to make it work because there's always great books coming out at some time. Sometimes it rains and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> yes, I think that's how the expression goes. Oh yeah, that's oh sorry. I should probably clarify that that is the way my grandmother used to say it. So I thought that's how you used to like. There are many colloquialisms <laughs> when you come from an immigrant family that later on you're like, oh, that's not how it goes, is it? And that is one of them. <laughs> so, and on that note, <laughs> go I ahead. knew what you meant. So, all right. Before we get started, though, we are going to hear from a sponsor. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so I'm going to kick it off with a delicious thriller that is great for summer and hot weather and all weather. It's really fun. It's called Gone for Good by Joanna Schaffhausen. And Joanna Schaffhausen is the author of the Ellery Hathaway series, which I believe I talked about the first one on the show. Uh, There's three or four of them. I really enjoy this series. And this is the first in the Annalise Vega series. And in this book, there is a serial killer called the Lovelorn Killer, who used to operate in Chicago, carried out these ritualistic killings, and then would send letters to the paper sort of taunting them and these sort of sick love letters about the women that he murdered. And he murdered several women and then stopped. And the case has never been solved. And now many years later, there's Grace Harper who is a grocery store manager by day, but by night is an armchair detective. She belongs to a group called Grave Diggers, who look through old cases, cold cases, and see if they can find things that were missed back then, or maybe like new clues have have come to light. Uh, And she is pretty certain that if she can find the common thread between the victims of the Lovelorn Killer, she can figure out who he was. And so Annalise Vega, the star of this book, is a detective in Chicago who also happened to lose someone close to her to the Lovelorn Killer when she was young. Her teenage boyfriend's mother was murdered by the Lovelorn Killer, uh, and her father was a cop on the case at the time. And she would like nothing more than to see this case solved because it, you know, has a personal meaning to her, and it's just a terrible thing that happened. And she gets this call that a body has been found, and it looks like the Lovelorn Killer has struck again. And when she goes to the crime scene, it's Grace Harper. Grace Harper, who was investigating the Lovelorn Killer on the Gravedigger site. And so Annalise needs to figure out what did Grace uncover that led to her death. And in going over what Grace knew, Annalise is forced to revisit her past and everything she thought she knew about the people close to her and what happened back then. And making matters more complicated is that her boss has partnered her up with her ex-husband for the investigation. So there's a lot of history there. You know, a lot of fighting, a lot of, like, butting of heads. It's told from Annalise's point of view, but we also hear from Grace and from Grace's notes and from the Gravedigger site that she was a part of. It's really well plotted. I enjoyed all the twists and turns. I enjoyed the conflict and the chemistry between Annalise and Nick, her ex-husband. I'm really looking forward to book two. And as I read this a long time ago, I don't remember all the content warnings, so please do more digging if needed, but definitely heads up for mentions of murder, sexual assault, and violence. This is Gone for Good by Joanna Schaufhausen. Okay, now I'll do my first pick, which I really loved, and I feel like I say that all the time, but I really did, and that's Miss Lattimore's Letter by Suzanne Elaine. This is a Regency romance, which is being billed for reasons I don't quite understand as a holiday romance. Like every time I look it up on Amazon or a couple different places, it says holiday and I, I have zero idea why. Uh, but it's, you know, in the book, it, it is, I mean, tis the season. It's just not that season. It's like the season, uh, aka when eligible ladies are entering society in the hopes of making a marital match. 
So Sophie Lattimore is a spinster at the ripe old age of, I think, 28. Her parents died when she was a little younger, and so she was taken in by her cousin and aunt. And years ago, when she was 22, she entered, you know, the season for the first time and made a match of her own that everybody was, you know, her included, was just super sure was going to end an engagement. Like, it was it was going very well. And then out of the blue, that suitor, Mr. Maitland, just sort of up and left and acted like she never existed and then turned around and proposed to another woman. So it was like the talk of the town. It was a big scandal. And everybody assumed it was her that called off the engagement and that, like, she left him high and dry. So she's never quite recovered from that personally. So that's how Sophie, whose full name, by the way, is Sophronia, came to find herself a spinster. So she's kind of resigned to her role as her cousin Cecilia's chaperone. So the season is kicked off. Her, her cousin is entering it, you know, trying to find a match. And then something happens that completely changes the course of Sophie's life, which is that she overhears a conversation between a young man and a woman, Charles Beswick and Lady Priscilla, I think her name is. And they want to be together, but Priscilla sort of laments the fact that they can't because her mom is not going to want her, will not permit her to marry someone who isn't of, you know, status, of money, etc. Sophie kind of uh, does some, you know, she overhears this very on accident. She wasn't eavesdropping, but she kind of asks some questions about the person that she's supposed to be betrothed or, you know, engaged to and the guy that she's currently with finds out that, like, there's possibly a solution here. And she ends up writing an anonymous letter to the man who is supposed to propose to Lady Priscilla, the guy of means and status, and basically says, like, hey, you know, you're about to propose to this woman, but she's actually in love with somebody else. And also, I know of a woman who's in love with you, who you've also been kind of courting. So anyway, I think you should marry her instead, blah, 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 sends the letter. And it turns out her advice is correct, because that's exactly what happens. So the two couples, in theory, are like, yay, gonna live happily ever after, because they both ended up with like who they were really supposed to end up. Fantastic. But now Sophie has this reputation as being an expert matchmaker, which she didn't really ask for, nor is she actually, but you know, okay, fine. And so this particular gentleman actually approaches Sophie asking her to please find, help him, you know, find a wife. But this gentleman, Mr. Edmund Winslow, is like looking real good to Sophie. So she kind of like wishes she could be the wife he finds. And then that guy that jilted her years ago suddenly wants, is back in town. He's apparently now a widower and he wants to court Sophie again. So she likes Edmund, but she's not sure if he likes her. Like, you know, they're kind of trying to pick up the signs. But then this Mr. Maitland guy who did her wrong in the past might be her only chance at marriage. Like, what to do? What to do? It's just a really fun romance. It's, uh, you know, quote unquote, clean, like a wholesome romance. There's no sex of any kind, I don't think, but definitely not on the page. It's really funny and great on audio narrated by Elizabeth Nolden, who I love from the Guinevere Deception books. So yeah, this one was a really fun romance that I just blasted through in a couple days. That is Miss Lattimore's Letter by Suzanne Elaine. It reminds me that I keep meaning to watch Bridgerton. I finally started it two days ago, which I always tell you <gasps> we, we do this, where we like mention shows to each yeah. other. <laughs> yeah, I like I love it so far. Well, I was going to, but then it was spoiled for me on Twitter, which doesn't happen as often as I would think it would. So I was kind of like, yep. oh, now I don't need to rush to that. But I, I still think it's going to be good, though. I know everybody loves that lead lead actor. So you took the words out of my mouth. I'm like, <laughs> hmm, hey, <laughs> sup? Yeah, he's 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 real nice to look at. <laughs> I'll end there. <laughs> so my next pick is something completely different. It 
is This Will All Be Over Soon, a memoir by Cecily Strong. Cecily Strong is an actress. You know her from Saturday Night Live. She's been on for, I think, almost 10 years now. She's trying to decide, I read recently, if she's going to sign on for her 10th year. Uh, And she's also the star of Schmigadoon, which just started, which is delightful and just as amazing as you would imagine. I mean, they really nailed, like, the musicals of the 40s. It's incredible. Um, And this is her short memoir about grief. Basically, Cecily was very close to her young cousin, Owen, who is about 10 years younger than her, uh, and he was diagnosed with brain cancer in 2019. And she wants people to know about Owen, about how positive he was and like how he touched everybody's lives. Even before he was diagnosed, you know, he was just such a, a, a light in everyone's life and how hard it was to watch him as he was ill. Uh, And then he died in January of 2020. And when he passed away, she had just started dating a man named Jack, and they started hearing rumors of COVID. And then Jack tested positive for COVID shortly after that uh, and had to quarantine. She was suddenly, you know, had started this new romance, and now she's alone in her apartment having to quarantine for two weeks and worrying, like, you know, because not a lot of information was out at that time. This is only, like, March of 2020. And she was sad, and she missed her friends, and so then after her quarantine was up, she and her friends rented an Airbnb uh, and quarantined together. Like, they went and stayed for several weeks away from everyone else, and she sort of grieved for her cousin, but then also her new beau decides he needs a break, so she's missing him. And then she finds out that her good friend, Hal Wilner, who was a longtime music producer for Saturday Night Live, has also passed away. Uh, He contracted COVID and died, and she just doesn't know what to do with all this information. This is a, like, non-linear memoir of her thoughts at these times. Some of them are, you know, broken, like, the not complete thoughts, but these are, like, very real emotions and very real thoughts of someone who is frightened and angry and is having all these memories of these people that she loved uh, who she has lost. And, you know, she talks about her regrets, like, the last text message that she sent to her cousin, like, was it nice enough? Did he know that she loved him when he read it? Like, did she say the right things? I basically cried the whole time I read this, which, you know, is not surprising because it's about grief and being sad. And right now, I think is a really good time to have a cry. So, you know, it feels cathartic. And if you need something that, you know, you're like, oh, I just need to let it all out, then this is definitely a book to pick up because she is very funny, but it is very sad and it feels very real. You know, like we don't have like thoughts that are like from point A to point B, emotions about grief or you know, sadness or love or anything, you know, like they're all over the place. And that's that comes through in this book. If you liked Everything is Horrible and Wonderful by Stephanie Whittles walks about her brother, Harris Whittles, who died a few years ago. Um, This is very similar to that, you know, like the anger and sorrow and laughter of loving someone and losing someone. I want to give a content warning for illness and death. Uh, That is This Will All Be Over Soon, a memoir by Cecily Strong. Oh, man. Nothing makes me cry harder than, like, funny people doing sa- which I get. I mean, Ugh. most comedians will tell you that there's, like, a lot of pain at the root of their comedy, so that's not uncommon. Sure. But, like, yeah, that always sends me on a loop. <laughs> so, no. Oh, yeah. I remember when I read Eddie Izzard's memoir, I think I cried. Oh, I She made bet. me cry in, like, the first six pages oh. about her mother. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> That is how it goes. Yeah. A good cathartic cry. I'll, I'll put that on the calendar at some point. It's needed. It is. Did someone say witches? No one said witches, but I love witches, and it's like a rule that every so many ATB episodes I just have to talk about witches, and here we are. So my next pick is The Manning Tree Witches by A.K. Blakemore. 
this is not a very long book. I want to say it's maybe 300 pages. I kind of blasted through it too. And it's, it was pitched as Wolf Hall meets the favorite. And I love that super weird dark movie. So I was, uh, and, and have been wanting to read Wolf Hall for a long time. I'm like, okay, well, let's pick this up and loved it. It's, so it opens in England in 1643. This is, you know, Civil War England, right? As, like puritanical fervor has basically taken the country by storm, right? So we meet Rebecca West, who is a fatherless, husbandless, 19-year-old woman in this small town of Manningtree. And this place has essentially been depleted of men who were either, you know, called to or in many cases claimed by the wars. Rebecca's mom is a woman known as Beldam West. She's a kind of a vulgar drunk whose only apparent saving grace is that she does the town's laundry and sewings. So, like most people don't particularly like her, but she does an essential service for this town. And so they keep her, you know, around. Rebecca is pretty besotten with this clerk named John Edis or Edis. And so she doesn't really take note at first in the middle of her, what's basically a very monotonous life for her, when this mysterious man dressed head to toe in black arrives in the town of Manningtree, even though the rest of the town is like all abuzz with this dude. That dude is Matthew Hopkins, which, you know, history and witch trial buffs and even light ones like myself may recognize as the man who went on to be known as the Witchfinder General in England. Off, awful dude. Like, oh my. He, like his witchfinding career, I think only spanned three years or spanned, spanned three years um, from like March 1644 to like whenever he retired, quote unquote, in 1647. So, you know, quick math, three years. And in those three years, he and, you know, his cronies, whatever, were responsible for more hangings for witchcraft than in the previous hundred years like he was just the worst like the the worst in all the ways that you can imagine so he takes over the local inn starts asking questions about the women kind of on the margins of you know this manning tree town and wouldn't you know you know he starts pointing fingers so when this local boy becomes inexplicably ill he is well it is determined that the cause of this sickness is bewitchment and he fingers Rebecca's mom as the guilty party. And that's when we as readers and, you know, the characters in the book obviously get plunged headlong into this obsession with Satan and the devastation that gripped England during these witch trials as like person after person and mainly women were accused. And we watch as Rebecca gets pulled into that obsession and it starts to weirdly kind of bleed and permeate into her dreams and her very lusty feelings for that clerk guy, which then of course leads to her also falling under suspicion of partaking in the craft. Um, the author of this book, A.K. Blakemore, is a poet. I'm not as familiar with her poetry, but that's what I found in looking her up. And so there are just tons of really gorgeous sentences and passages in this book, which is not everyone's cup of tea, because some people are maybe going like strictly for the plot. I think it's a nice blend of both. I really enjoyed it. And kind of like when Liberty talked about um, Everyone Knows Your Mother is a Witch, it's like a lot of the books that I have read on the witch trials are the ones from you know Salem, from the United States. And this is something that takes us uh, you know across the pond, and I, I really enjoyed spending time with it. So content warning, all the witchcraft things. Not super graphic, but it's there. So that again is The Manning Tree Witches by A.K. Blakemore. At first, I thought we were going to be talking about Rebecca West, the author, when you mentioned her. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I was like, but this is not the right time period. <laughs> no, Although a time-traveling Rebecca West witch novel would be pretty great. <laughs> I'd buy that. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of time travel, totally out of left field except for the time travel part. Um, I read the new Emily St. John Mandel and <gasps> I loved it so Did you? much. Oh, that's good to know. Oh, it has time traveling in it and it's my new favorite Emily St. John Mandel book. Really? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just loved it. It's Those are big words. Yeah, well, I mean... But it's my favorite. Like I said on Twitter, it's my new favorite Emily St. John Mandel book. And people are like, I can't believe you're calling it better than 
you know, Station Eleven. And I was like, that's not what I said. I nope, said sure it's not. my new favorite one. Like, it's, you know, subjective. It's my new favorite one, yeah. you know? No, I took it as like, I want to read that now. <laughs> and it is. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful, you know? Oh, that's awesome. It was, like, just the right length, and it's beautiful, and there's time travel, and I loved it. So I just want to put that out there. It's not out until April. I'm sorry, but oh man, you will be very happy <laughs> once you get to read it. It's very cool. What I especially like about it, I'm going to keep talking about it. What I especially like about it is that a lot of it is set in the future, which is cool, you know, because yeah. we don't know what that looks like yet, unless we are a time traveler, which I can neither confirm nor deny. You get in big trouble if you, you know, reveal these things. We can't tell the people. So for what I'm saying right now, let's see. I can't tell you what the future is like because I haven't been there. Wink, wink. <laughs> so <laughs> we all I know that you. I'm not a time traveler. We know that I'm just from another planet. <laughs> Maybe that's why she doesn't sleep. She's too busy traveling between dimensions. That's right. Oh, it's like jet lag. Um, jet pack lag, I guess we would call it. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's Friday. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. So my next pick is a collection of short stories I read when it came out seven years ago, and I did not get a chance to reread, so I don't remember a lot of the details. I am very sorry, but I did want to give it a shout out because it is so excellent. It is Spirits Abroad and Other Stories by Zen Cho. And you are probably familiar with Zen Cho's name because Sorcerer to the Crown is like a Book Riot favorite that we talk about all the time. And there was a new book, Blackwater Sister. And this actually, like I said, this story collection came out first in 2014 and is being reissued by that amazing independent press, Small Beer Press, whose books I will read just whatever they put out because they're always fantastic. And I'm so glad that this collection is getting a second chance. It is 10 great sci-fi and fantasy stories. And like I said, I didn't get a chance to reread them, but it's my vacation, so I'm just going to... Be nice to myself and go easy on myself. Uh, they are stories about women and their friendships, their relationships with each other and their families. They're funny and warm and sometimes kind of dark and scary. A lot borrow from Malaysian mythology. And there's a creature called a Pontianic uh, who eats people but is also a teenager and so has to do their homework. A Pontianic, I looked it up. It's a spirit kind of like a vampire, but it also has some other definitions. But for this, it's just like a, if I remember correctly, just like a sort of scary spirit. There's a spirit who has a beef with their landlord. There is a short story that takes place in outer space, which I'm super into since I read the Emily St. John Mandel book. Now I want to read lots more books that take place in space again. And it's just excellent. Like I said, it's out now from Small Beer Press. It is called Spirits Abroad and Other Stories by Zen Cho. It's so good. And you're not supposed to do this on the show, but if you'd just been like, this is a like, show or a collection of stories by Zen Cho and then like just moved on, it would have been like, yeah, Mike that's fine. <laughs> like, I'll buy yeah. that. Like, that's fine. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> well, I mean, it's true because, you know, it it's so good. But because my description was very small, you should probably go ahead with yours and then we'll hear from another sponsor. Okay. So I have not finished my next two picks because life, but I love what I have read of both of them so far. They're both very different. The first of which is Mrs. March by Virginia Feito, who is a, I think, yeah, she's originally from Spain and I think now lives in England, but she's, this is, I believe, her debut and it's just all kinds of weird in a great way. It is sort of a comedy of manners thriller. There's a lot of satire in it. It's giving me 
like Patricia Highsmith, maybe a little bit of Shirley Jackson. That's like a whole whole lot. None of those are big comps, but those are sort of the vibes. So Mrs. March is the wife of George March, who is a writer, a novelist, whose latest novel has made a big splash in the literary scene. Mrs. March is proud of her husband, as she always is, as his very dutiful wife. And she's the sort of kind of stereotype of the Upper East Side wife, like very prim and proper. She's very obsessed with decorum and routine. Routine is a big deal for her. And one of said elements of her routine is this very regular trip that she takes to her favorite patisserie, where she always orders the same thing. So she's there in line. She is playing with these mint green gloves that are her like prized possession that are also on the cover of this book. And so she's waiting in line, gets to the front. And so the shopkeeper knows her by name and she knows her order. So she's kind of starting to package it together. They're making idle chatter. Mrs. March asks her to please, you know, give her an extra order of macarons because she's, I think, throwing a party potentially for the book launch. I forget this detail. But so anyway, that leads to talk of the book and the shopkeeper, you know, kind of suggests that she's a reading the book and kind of in passing says that like, oh, hey, and the you know, this is the first time that he's based a main character on you. And Mrs. March has like a moment where she's like, um, excuse me. <laughs> she's like, yeah, yeah, you know, like the She's the kind of, she's based, you know, oh, you know, her mannerisms and stuff and kind of tries to backpedal a little bit. But Mrs. March loses it. She, the main character is, as she describes her, you know, she's a sex worker and she, she thinks she's this awful woman. She thinks, finds like everything about her annoying and deplorable. I believe it's a historical novel, but like she just despises this character. She hasn't read the book, to be fair, but she's read passages. So she's just, again, super offended. And she, like just distests this insinuation that, you know, it's based on her. So she confronts the shopkeeper who kind of, you know, doesn't know what to do and is like trying to gloss it over. But she gets so uncomfortable that she leaves the shop awkwardly in a huff. So then she rushes back to her apartment where she pretty much immediately spins out and she starts going through her husband's things. She's reading passages from like a finished copy of the book in his office. And then she gets so heated reading it that she shreds the book like a 100%, like just like rips the pages apart and then has a moment of like, oops, should have done that. And like, takes off her pantyhose so she can shove all the evidence in there and then throw that away in the kitchen. Like that was the only way to dispose of these pages. And then as the book progresses from here, we watch her get increasingly delusional and she becomes convinced that her husband murdered a young woman in Maine during one of his annual hunting trips based on like a newspaper clipping that she finds. And so we're watching her devolve further into like a state of paranoia and and jealousy where she suspects just like literally everyone around her. Again, I haven't finished this yet, so I'm still solidly in the WTF phase of this book where I'm like, what? And in a good way, <laughs> but every review I've read for this book mentions two things, and that's the suspense holds right up until this like horrific final surprise, and that Mrs. March's name is literally not revealed until the last page. So I'm like in it to win it. I need to finish this as soon as I can. Again, there's lots of satire, a lot of suspense, a lot of psychological drama that has you kind of questioning reality at every turn and like what? What, what things are to be taken at face value from the book. So I can't wait to finish that. <laughs> Again, that is Mrs. March by Virginia Faith, though. I really want to read this. Last night, a publisher reached out to me and said, hey, have you have you read this book yet? And I was like, oh, and it's out next week. I'm going to read it right now. It and then I saw that you had marked it down. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good so far. I like cannot wait to get to that ending. I'm just like, so like, oh, it's going to happen. But more thoughts I have about it. One. It would be awesome if you get to the end of the book and her name is Kaiser Soze. <laughs> and two, it has a blurb on the cover from Elizabeth Moss. It does. Because she's, she's going to be, be starring in the, in the adaptation. Yeah, yeah. Which was really cool. So I'm excited to read that as well. Me too. And I'm excited to tell you about my last book. But first, we are going to hear from a sponsor. 
Okay, so uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I read three other books that I did not enjoy, and I was like, you know what? That's enough. So I'm picking this one. I went through the books that are coming out today, and I said, which one do I want to read the most that I have not read? And so I settled on The King of Infinite Space by Lindsay Fay. Lindsay Fay is the author of Jane Steele, which was that book that came out a few years ago about Jane Eyre, if she was a serial killer, which was really fun. And Faye has also written a bunch of historical mysteries. And this, however, is, according to the description, a queer modern take on Hamlet set in New York City. Now, I am not a huge Shakespeare fan, as I've mentioned before, but I will read anything that is like a retelling. For some reason, I'm like, yes, I love retellings. Not so much interested in the source material. Uh, so I definitely want to read this one. The main character is named Ben Dane which is hilarious, and he is a philosopher, and his father, who was a Broadway producer, has died. Was it naturally occurring, or did something happen? He calls on his ex, Horatio, to help him in his time of grief and mourning, and meanwhile, his ex fiance Leah, has been taken in by three florists from New Orleans who teach her to talk to flowers and can show her how to make magical bouquets that can put a curse on someone or do something wonderful for them, but it will come at a price. And it just sounds wild. Just absolutely wild. Like, fantasy Hamlet in New York. Sounds very exciting. So I am looking forward to getting my hands on this one when it comes out. It is The King of Infinite Space by Lindsay Fay. Ooh, when does that one come out? Comes out the 10th. Oh, it's my wrong? No, how did I not know that? Because I love Lindsay Faye. I, like, totally would have gotten on that. I don't know how I, like, missed that, because that, like, derails my little spiel here. Well, that doesn't. I mean, I'm still going to talk about a book, but dang, I love her. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the book that I, like, started. And by started, I mean, like, 20 pages. But I loved the first book in this series, which, so the book is called The Dating Dare by J.C. Lee. And so the first one is A Sweet Mess. And I think the, the series is just called A Sweet Mess. Two books out now. I don't know if there's any plans for more. But these are rom-coms. The first one, if you haven't read it, is, again, Sweet Mess, and it's really cute. It's about this baker who owns a shop called The Comfort Zone. <laughs> she has this one-night stand with this hottie who ends up being the food critic who had issued or issues a scathing review of the bakery. And so to make it up for her, he offers her a spot on the celebrity cooking show that it's producing or he's producing, and it's it's just very, very fun. And so now in this second book, in The Dating Dare, we get a different cast of characters, Tara Park owns a brewery and she has like no time for dating, you know, no serious relationships is sort of her rule. She's just too busy. The brewery takes up all her time and her system is, you know, working just fine. Thank you. Goodbye. But then she meets a guy named Seth Kim, who is her best friend's new brother-in-law. And suddenly her rules feel like, like maybe they can be broken. <laughs> and she agrees to this dating dare that he proposes. I think the rule is like, okay, four dates and we'll be done. She's like, yeah, sure. It'll be fun. And like Seth is very surprised as she said yes because he's leaving for a new job in Paris in a month and this is going to be like a whole no strings attached situation but I'm guessing you can also guess where this goes <laughs> so I loved the first one I think the first 20 pages I have read are quite delightful but I, I can't wait to read the rest of this because it's it's going in a very it seems like their dates are kind of tragically like disastrous whenever they try to make them work and I like that kind of cringy like, please don't happen to me, but I will read about it thing. <laughs> so again, that is The Dating Dare by J.C. Lee. And that actually came out last week. Okay, so those are our, our new picks. What are you going to read next? I actually mentioned this earlier, but so the, I don't even remember when Everyone Knows You're a Witch by Rivka Galkin came out, Galchin. 
because you talked about it when we recorded like months ago, but that same, like on the recording, I put it on hold on Libby and it quite literally came through just this morning. <laughs> so I'm finally going to read Everyone Knows You're a Witch by Ravka Gulchin. How about you? It's not that long ago. I think like June, I think it came out. I have no concept of time. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to read it though. I loved it. Well, I mean, how how does anyone have any concept of time anymore? Nobody. It's all just, it's all the same. So I am going to read The Violin Conspiracy by Brendan Slocum, which comes out in February of next year and is about a black classical musician whose family heirloom violin is stolen on the eve of the most prestigious classical music competition in the world. So it sounds really fun. Yeah. I really liked The Red Violin, which was like this not great, super great movie that came out many years ago with like Samuel Jackson. Oh, that movie. But, <laughs> yeah. So like every time there's a book about a violin, I'm like, yes, I want to read that. <laughs> and this one has a red cover. So I was like, red violin, red violin, red violin. That's how my brain, you know, was like thinking. I was like, look, look, look. So of course I need to read this. Of course. That sounds lovely. This was fun. Twas. We made it. Yeah fun little break in my vacation i have two more days to read as many books as i possibly can um i'm still working on the stand for my stephen king reread because it's very long it is <laughs> it's 1300 pages i was I like know. i'm gonna read like 10 stephen king books on my break and then i was like no i saw all these other things and i was like "Ooh, i want that and i want that and things kept coming into my inbox and i was like i want that and that and that and so did not actually we read forgive you King books <laughs> i did however put them all in one spot in, on a bookcase and it's mildly impressive <laughs> i was like wow like they only take up two shelves and my husband was like two very large shelves of which there are 35 on each one and i was like okay okay i get You're like it. Shh, shh, nobody asked you <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can't even imagine the people that collect them in hardcover like how many oh my gosh exactly. shelves that takes up it's just amazing. So this was fun. We talked about books. I'm trying to think, is there anything else we need to talk about? Did we talk about cats? I don't know that we talked about cats or the weather. <gasps> oh, my God. Usually we do? get those things in. So we'll just have to let it slide for this time because, <laughs> you know, it's vacation week. Uh, but that is it for us today. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. You can find us online. We hang out on Instagram. Vanessa is Buenos Dias SD. I am friends and comes alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And then there's more of you and we can tell you about more books. And it's also very exciting. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading.